0: Number one animal outside of a dog to implant pituitary gland and human testes in. I'm going with a duck. I know it's not going to happen, but just you would get like Howard the Duck, but like on a bigger level, like a man Howard the Duck. That would just be very, you would just eat like loaves of bread all the time.
1: Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast episode 22. In this episode we are doing Heart of a Dog by Mikhail Bulgakov. I'm Ryan and with me is my good buddy and fellow host Jacob. Yes, hello and welcome to the Better the
0: Bookshelf podcast, our little book club, book cult, book something or other. It's 2019. It's episode 22 Yes. How are you feeling? I know we talked a little bit about you know last episode. We're getting into the new year. We may be trying some 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 new things out. Uh, How's 2019 treating you so far this year, Ryan?
1: Man, so far so good. I'm a little bit surprised that we're already like halfway through the month. It just seems like time has flown since the new year started. Yeah, some would say it's almost been
0: I don't know two weeks, yes. give or take, since we last recorded. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, so weird, weird how you sense. can count time like that when you do a biweekly podcast. That is true. I have been finding myself more and more like I've been keeping track of events that go on, whether or not we've recorded that week. So it's like yep. a record week, a release week, a record week,
1: a release week, and it's you know, it's good. It's brought a little bit of stability to uh, other areas of my life. I hear you. I, I I do the same thing very much. So, um, so let's get into our standard disclaimers.
0: Um. So traditional episode, we're going to tell you a little bit about the author Mikhail Bulgakov. Ryan had a little bit of trouble pre-show with that, but I think we got it sorted out now. I'm going to give you a brief summary of the book, and then we're just going to jump into it. Uh, This one, this one's going to be interesting because it's a a shorter book, and I know we didn't have as many questions as we usually do for each other, so a lot of this is going to be spent on, uh, I know we don't do like heavy deep dives into themes or anything like that, but that is at the core a lot of what this book is about, so we're going to touch on that a little bit and maybe kind of how it relates to the thoughts that we had while reading it. And then, of course, at the end, we're going to do our patented three tier four if we're giving it away, five if we're shooting it into space as a probe that will orbit the moon and relay information on why we didn't want this book. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I don't think we're going to get to that just yet, but yes, our patented rating system. And then we're going to tell you what we got coming up on our next episode,
1: yes. So now is the time where I say that if you haven't read the book, you should read the book before you listen to a podcast about a book that you haven't read. Yeah, especially this one. I mean, it's 130 pages. Yeah. Really quick. I, I think I knocked it out in two hours, and that wasn't. I didn't feel like I was going through too briskly. No, and just because I sort of had a preconceived notion coming into this book that it was going to be a little bit dense, it's fairly lighthearted as well. Absolutely. So it really is worth. Picking up and and reading. It was it was enjoyable in in its readability. Yeah. And just to go along with, with last week or with excuse me, with last
0: episode too, you know, we're kind of in that same time period. So that was a yeah. little bit nice jumping into this book already, having kind of been in that mindset. So if you're following yes. along with us there you go.
1: It's even easier that way. All right. Well, let's talk about Mr. Bulgakov. Um, so he was born in 1891, died in 1940. Uh, he was obviously a writer, uh, also was uh, a playwright and a medical doctor. Yeah. Uh, I think I read his sister uh, was a uh, professor. His, his dad was as well. So you can kind of see... Some of his personal elements, you know, coming into into yeah. this story. Uh his best known work is The Master and Margarita. Uh it's been hailed as a masterpiece of the of the 20th century. Um interestingly enough, it inspired a couple songs. Um so I don't know if you're a Pearl Jam fan. Yeah. I, I am.
0: I mean, I'm not a fa- I mean I'm I'm a nineties kid, so I'm okay. familiar so with Pearl Jam.
1: I, I like I loved the album Yield when it came out. Okay. I listened to that through and through and there's a song on there called pilot uh that 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 book uh the uh, master and, and margarita inspired it also inspired one of my favorite rolling Stones songs sympathy for the devil which i thought was was really interesting okay so i went i haven't read the book but i went back through and listened to both songs as i was making notes on the podcast and uh I'm I'm really intrigued about that book uh and and its influence on two of my favorite bands. Well, I I know we kind of discussed this like briefly, very briefly in the yeah. pre-show meeting.
0: You know, I had heard it, it it had popped up on lists whenever I'm kind of like going through and compiling like potential, you know, books to read if we ever get, you know, short on ideas that's kind of like, we kind of have a grab bag of things that are, that's not like first priority, but kind of just behind that, yep. whether it's, you know, it's just has a claim and we've never heard about it or, or something like that. And Master Margarita is definitely on that list of that yep. kind of next year book. So I'm sure we'll get around to it on the show at some point, Um because it is, it's, it's on that very somewhat short list of, of those titles that are a claim and kind of hold positions based on their importance. So
1: yeah, and so just kind of a little bit of anecdote about the about this book and and the other book. Yeah, uh, is this this was originally written in the nineteen twenties. Uh, he tried to get it published in nineteen twenty five. Yes, and uh, it was rejected um, for obvious reasons. If you know anything about uh, that Bolshevik period, uh, and you know, obviously, doesn't speak uh, very well of of that. Um, so. He wrote a play uh, after it didn't get published that was based on on this story, mm-hmm. and the Russian secret police actually confiscated the manuscript. Yeah. They had to cancel the 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 play and all of that. Uh, and then Maxim Gorky, who is another famous Russian writer, actually intervened to to recover the manuscript. So then, fast forward a few years um, to 1930 when um, the master and uh, and Margarita. Uh, was written. He actually burned the original manuscript of that book because he got to a point where he felt like, um, because of the the political climate, it would he would never be able to to do anything with it. So yeah. then he actually rewrote that book um, from memory uh, after after that, which I thought was was really interesting. That's impressive, and yeah. and the story of this book playing into you know sort of I would assume his. Uh, his perception of, of whether or not he could complete his sort of masterpiece work. So um, this book was first published in 1987 in Russia, uh, or I guess. Well, officially yeah, officially, yeah, officially published, because I had read, too, that it had the story had kind of
0: made its way through other sort of not necessarily underground channels, but other sort of reading avenues. And in fact, yeah. it got its first English translation in 1968. Yep, I forget the guy who did it, but uh, but yeah, not officially officially published until you know 70 or excuse me, 62 years later after you know initially trying.
1: So yeah, it's interesting. So that's interesting. He I mean he's sounded like a like a pretty fascinating guy. Um, you know, f- just from a the perspective of you know a writer, obviously at odds with with his time and country, and not too dissimilar from. The last book we read, yeah, and that was part of the reason why this book jumped
0: out at me yeah. to begin with. So, but yes, Heart of a Dog by Mikhail Bulgakov. Let's get a quick dirty summary. Let's in. Do it. Heart of a Dog is a story of Sharik or Sherikov and his journey of being turned into a man after his owner performs a surgery on him, replacing his pituitary gland and testes with that of a recently deceased man. Very just that's the plot, but that's it stems it. a little bit. we done that. Yeah, episode right. over. Episode over. What do we got next week?
1: Uh, yeah, next episode. No. Um, okay, so we should, we yeah, should talk
0: we before should talk. we get into before we get into like the actual nitty gritty yeah. details of what we want to talk about here. I want to talk about really quickly the humor. Yes, <laughs> or or I guess your perception of it, because. You know, when I was looking into this book, it's like, you know, it's hilarious, it has this dark humor, and you obviously see that within there. There there are those elements. I mean, the whole premise is, you know, you're turning this 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 dog gets turned into this sort of anthropomorphized, you know, proletariat man that's at odds with his, you know, bourgeoisie owner. And right, like I get that, that that's gonna have those elements of dark humor in there. Um but how much of that When I was reading this book, and I don't know if it's just a different sort of sensibility when it comes to sort of darker humor or Mm -hmm. satire or, or, you know, whether it's Russian or whether it's, you know, things maybe didn't quite get as nuanced through the translation or something like that. But I never really found the book all that funny. Like even like I have a pretty dark sense of humor. Like I can can appreciate like the kind of like morbidity and elements in here that are that are kind of like on that line or the sarcasm and whatnot. Yeah. But it was never really, never did I really take a moment and go like, okay, that was kind of like funny. I didn't really find any humor in here. And I don't know if that was just me or if I don't know if it was just kind of like lost in the translation.
1: Yeah. See, I I disagree because like the, the scene where he locks himself in the bathroom Yeah, and, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was funny. And you know, the whole like chasing the cat thing and just his, his demeanor, um, overall just like with with alcohol like at dinner and stuff and just yeah. he, he's like a snarky shitty little teenager uh like, I I don't know I, I had the complete opposite perception I didn't like wasn't laughing out loud or anything yeah. like that but i I did find it humorous that just his his overall behavior and the absurdity of it all
0: yeah I mean it's certainly there it is a certain brand of um dark humor or just sort of that more just, like, absurdist humor in a sense of, like, the humor derives more so, I guess, from, like, the situation. Like, everything just builds upon that kind of, like, situation that he's kind of, like, you know, a fish out of water where it's, you know, necessarily uh, not even, like, physical humor, but kind of, like, in that same vein, like, kind of slapsticky, but, like, just, again, stemming from the fact that it's, like, well, this is a dog that is now a man, and, you know, it's kind of this whole weird dynamic, and and I I got that. It just wasn't like super duper effective on me. Like I, I I don't know exactly what I was expecting from a humor element because you know you read the premise and you kind of get the backstory of it and you get the background on here and you go like, okay, this isn't gonna be like, I'm not gonna get Jeff Foxworthy jokes like yeah. throw, thrown in here or anything. Not that I give a crap about Jeff Foxworthy, but I don't know the humor. The humor fell a little flat for me. Is the that was the initial thing that I got out of this? Like immediately after I put the book down, it was kind of like, oh. Huh, Okay, it was interesting. Yeah,
1: but it wasn't really like humorous to me. See, what were you expecting out of this book when when you came into it? Like, what was your mentality of, of what you thought it was about? Like, did you think it was going to be like I thought satirical it was Yeah, I thought humorous? it was, but
0: I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little bit more. I mean, at times it is a little on the nose, but I was expecting yeah. it to be a little bit more on the nose. I guess when when how direct it was, I guess in its criticism of sort of the the Soviets and and the the way that that uh, government was kind of like just this weird dysfunctional machine at the time. Yeah. And uh, like for obvious reasons, like, you know, Bulgakov couldn't have just written a book like that in 1925 and, you know, expected things to go well for him. So there is a lot more, there's a lot more like subtle juxtaposition in here between, you know, our two main characters, I guess, in Philip and Sharik. Um or Shurikov. So I you know, I did expect a little bit more of like a direct sort of satire, but yeah, I wasn't disappointed in sort of that that secondary layer of this book. I mean, like like we talked about in the pre-show, there's layer one, which is essentially the kind of like absurdist fish out of water story, just mm-hmm. kind of like weird, even like science fiction-y elements of yeah, like transforming sure. the dog into a man and sort of that whole. That whole like dysfunction and things, and then there's the the level two is all of the sort of like allegorical satire of of just kind of the the political climate at the time and the two like sort of conflicting ideas and classes when you have Philip in kind of the upper class bourgeois you know yeah. mentality, and then you have Sherikov who kind of has this like proletariat sort of leftover ideas from you know as human donors
1: and and then that's kind of sort of amplified with uh schwander so you know when when i came to this book just based on like reading the back cover and like you you tend to do a lot more research like before we ever pick something up um i tend to get like the gist of something like even like just surface level, even more than like just the back of the book, yeah. And I had the impression of this, I thought this was going to be more serious. Um, and I thought you know, I thought it was going to more follow um, Sharikov or Sharikov more than um, more than just sort of be this uh, almost like play type setting where you know, yeah. you see everybody. Uh, interact. So I was, I was a little bit, um, I guess I don't want to say like disillusioned, but I, I came to the book thinking that we were going to follow this, this dog man around a bit more. And it was not, that was not it at all.
0: Well, that was, that was another thing too, just from a, I mean, I guess less even about the substance of the story and more just kind of the, the way or the narrative, the way it's told is how did you feel about kind of the shift in like point of view cuz like at the very beginning we get a lot of like first person yep. from Sherikov and then we kind of get this like omniscient sort of top down and then we get like bits told through like the the medical journals and medical notes and yep. yeah i mean i guess that is true like coming into it i thought it was going to be a lot more like centered on sherikov and like yeah. his transformation and you know, I I certainly felt like the whole him getting involved within the the local government in the sort of, you know, removal of cats. I think it was yeah. going to be a bigger part of the story. Right. Um, just because of the kind of, like, irony of that. Um, and it really wasn't. It, it, a lot more of it was sort of given to just sort of the surrounding cast as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, the... <laughs> I struggled with a few things in this book, but it, to on on that point, like literally the back of the book says that he finds his niche in the bureaucracy, bureaucracy as the government official in charge of purge, purging the city of cats. Yeah, that was literally like a paragraph. Yeah, figure. it was. It
0: was. It was. It was just that. Yeah. That was the thing. The whole time I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay, we're building towards this sort of idea, but that's really what the book wasn't about. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a bait and switch. I I do think it's the case of like maybe subverting my own expectations. And and I do, you know, I've done that on books in the past. And I think that's the one drawback to maybe like doing too much, like advanced sort of like tertiary reading about the book or reading about the author, reading about the time, instead of just saying like, well, I'm just going to jump into the book and what it is is what it is. And I'll do all that after as supplementary. I think that that, that causes me to have some of those, some of those, perceptions that that aren't necessarily matching but still there was there was a lot good in this book um yeah despite the fact that i i didn't think that the humor initially you know it didn't really catch me as well as maybe i would imagine like someone who would rate this book really high would yeah and that the overall kind of narrative or or at least sort of the viewpoint that we're given is not as focused on Sherikov as as maybe you would assume it it is kind of like jumping around and a little bit more haphazard.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing that that struck me about um about the style um that uh that he writes in is it's very similar to like if if you did read like uh the script of a play. Like yeah. in his descriptions and stuff it tends to be much more centered on setting the scene and the movement of characters. Yeah. Um and certainly dialogue. There there's a good bit of dialogue throughout. Um and you don't get so much a description of people. Yeah. Um it, it, it he very much leaves, you know, even even just the the overall sort of figure um of uh, of Sherikov sort of open to your imagination i mean we get we get bits and pieces of yeah. you know of of what he what some of his features are um certainly short shorten stature and then he's you know ugly and he, big uh, low forehead i will and- say
0: yeah that watching the uh having watched the the rush in 1988 they created a movie version of this uh, yeah in russia and watching that version the the actor they got to depict Sherikov, it was it was strange, not to not to be mean, but it, it, you know, he just had this kind of like, not unfortunate isn't the right word, but it's I I don't know if I would appreciate being cast as like, all right, you're gonna be a dog man yeah. in this movie, <laughs> and oh, did you pick me for my great acting qualities? No, we picked you because you kind of have this like overall sort of unsettling like look to you and, yeah. and we're just gonna play off that
1: i kind of i kind of pictured him as sort of like a like a little neanderthal you know kind of yeah. kind of looking i don't know um but i i one appreciated that at the same time i found that uh, frustrating at times yeah um but again i i think that just goes to his probably strength is as you know being a playwright uh as well as you know writing writing a novel so i i do wonder if if the master and margarita has the same sort of thing or if or if he branched out a bit more um in his in his storytelling um one thing I, i did uh forget to mention earlier that i thought was an interesting uh kind of factoid is the the professor um the the patients that he's got like rolling in you know to yeah. for procedures and stuff he was kind of poking fun of this guy sergey uh vonorov Vornorov, uh who was he was a doctor in paris that was uh well, that was, i read a little bit about this uh, yeah it was like he the- was it's to try, to, try to put monkey glands uh in in people to like restore their virility, which is which is kind of funny. Yeah, um, I thought that was a that was a nice little like the jab. I mean, yeah, yeah, you get the monkey ovaries, and then just the whole
0: premise of you know kind of the animal human gland hybrid as some sort of uh, transplant potential. So very much kind of
1: jabs at that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about? I I feel like we. <laughs> we collectively me especially don't have a a good enough grasp on like russian history uh to to maybe hit the like like social and political stuff quite as as well as somebody who's actually well sure re- neither well of us read, neither but, of us have like a background in the right.
0: history of this time neither of us obviously grew up or or experienced this time but you kind of have a very like passing i guess knowledge of sort of the situation there and you're yeah. sort of that political climate with your sort of class division and, and so I mean like even with even within just the Bolshevik revolution and this kind of like uprising and, and collectivism and and just I mean you know a lot of it if you've looked into communism or just like sort of read about sort of Marxist theory or any of this other stuff that you kind of get an idea of the baseline levels of how that government at least at least starting off as operating now granted we know that you know even for a communist government it tends to sort of favor kind of an authoritarian sure you know dictatorship where you sort of keep everything in line and the perception is that it's like oh you know if everyone's equal and we lift all these people up that it's going to benefit you know our lowest people the most and the reality of it is is they're the ones that ended up you know kind of suffering from it the most due to this because you still have this these layers of, of corruption and and sort of political maneuvering that we see in the book when Philip is kind of like eliciting help from, you know, a higher up to to get his way. And, yep, you know, we I, I don't again, I, I'm not super familiar with every little aspect of the time, but there is kind of like a cursory knowledge of of those dynamics, especially especially within. Sort of classes or class sort of perceptions, because I don't think that that's just unique to the Soviet Union in this time or, or 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 really the Soviet Union in general. I mean, if you look at societies throughout the world, anytime you have these like delineations of ideas amongst classes, or or at least sort of these gaps, whether it's wealth, whether it's education, whether it's ethnicity, religion, all these other things, you obviously have you know the idea of this sort of class division and how do you get this sort of, how do you break those barriers down? And I think that's, right. that was one of the things that was interesting in this book is kind of the whole premise of like, well, you know, initially it's like we get, we get, uh, Sharikov here and, and, you know, how does this interact? Cause he kind of represents the proletariat and Philip represents the bourgeois and can you break down these barriers to coexist? And then at the end we're led to believe what, you know, the message is maybe not, Right or, or that maybe Philip is still hopeful because we kind of are left on the on the end with him getting another pituitary gland, seemingly the thought of maybe doing another experiment to try to break down this barrier so that that was what I kind of got from from that a little bit more so than like the actual physical details of uh of like Soviet government at the time
1: yeah, and i I sort of looked at it more on the level of like the the transition, so you know there's there's definitely the um the metaphor of you know russia went through this this mass- massive change you know in the bolshevik revolution and suddenly there is a a new set of ideals that are you know like you mentioned in a very authoritarian manner uh, are being you know enforced on on the population and um the the fact that you know the 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 dog was was transformed in this household and You know, he couldn't convert to, you know, the behavior of of the professor and and vice versa, like, you know, they were just at odds. I mean, so there's there's the social commentary, you know, there as well, that um, it is it is difficult to, one, transform everybody to, you know, a, a common set of ideals um, you know, but also there, there is often, you know, no compromise, you know, in, in lifestyles and, you know, establishment. And certainly there are ways to, to get around those things too. Um, you know, and, and some of those are old fashioned, you know, bribery and, and, uh, networking and, Absolutely. uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I, 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 thought that, um, it was really interesting to see how similar the professor's, um, wanted to like hold on to the like manners and um privilege the the dinners the servant um you know the routine uh the cleanliness uh just like the count in uh in a gentleman in moscow i, th- I thought this was a really interesting compliment um to that character and and you know i'm sure this this was uh source material for uh for tolls as well um when when he was you know researching that book but
0: oh sure it had to at least you know come up in some tertiary way
1: yeah but i mean if if you think about just the the idea of sort of like forcing ideals on you know a, a population i mean think about like you know the war in afghanistan mm-hmm. uh, or iraq you know for that matter i mean you know we went in there we being you know america uh, you know, saying that we were, you know, going to try to establish, you know, democracy, yeah. and you know, by and large, that that has been superficial. I mean, people hold on to, you know, their ideals. Yes, they're, you know, our democratic, you know, government. Uh, sure. Superficial best yeah, case, yeah. More reasonable case is abject failures. <laughs> yeah, but I, and and destabilizing abject failures. I, I think it's interesting how often you know we we sort of. You know, repeat ourselves, um, you know, historically speaking. You know, obviously, Russia tried to do it with communism, and, you know, frankly, because of their authoritarian approach to it, we're much more, you know, successful. Uh, in that, you know, Nazi Germany was successful in, you know, playing up the, you know, fears and prejudices sure. uh, and, you know, false information on, on their population, their sense of, you know, national identity that was stripped away after the First World War. Um, and, you know, so it, it, with varying amounts of success, you can, you know, through, through different tactics, get people to, to sort of opine on, on new and, and uh, dramatic, you know, social or political uh, situations. But there is, there is always resistance. There, you know, there, there is always some, some amount of, you know, just, just being uncomfortable. Um, and I, I think that for me was, you know, if we talk about that second level of, of the book and the sort of socio-political commentary, that was the thing that really jumped out at me in, in this book as I, as I went through it.
0: Yeah, well, and as as a tie into that, you know, early on in the book, one of the things that kind of jumped out to me that was interesting that was kind of a juxtaposition of that same sort of idea is when you have Philip and he's talking about kindness and terror when, you know, you're sort of dealing with animals or dealing yep. with, you know, I all living about things that, that it's yep. like terror, you know, is just not successful, that kindness is the only way to get through to it. Yep. And, you know, and in some sort of prophetic fashion, you know, because I guess this was still, you know, this was still early on sort of within that that new communist regime and you don't get into the, you know, it's sort of foreshadowing the later, you know, your your gulags and your forced, you know, compulsory, yep. you know, uh, I guess just sort of opinions and ideals and you got to toe the line or else you're going to be sent to a work camp or right. shot or killed. and Right. Yeah, you know, in the end, you know, it, it kind of ended up collapsing on itself because it wasn't really founded in a way that i guess seemingly you would do to be successful i mean everything just sort of collapsed and another thing that you see with philip too is you know in the book it's it's not that he's like diametrically opposed to anything ideologically with with the soviets or or with anything within that government he just simply is I guess in awe of the of seemingly the back like the backwardsness or inefficiency of like the things that they do, whether it's the right. electricity going off seemingly once a month or just you know having people eating less for the sake of you know scarcity or or for the sake of just simply you know being being frugal or or, or I guess trying to keep everybody within that same level or things like that like yeah. that was that was interesting to me but but yeah I I do think that a lot of this book, you know, and, and it's obviously written for that, that a lot of what you get out of it is not necessarily the, the just sort of weird baseline story. It is sort of the allegorical things and how that can relate, whether it's your own experiences, if you, if you want to talk about, I guess, sort of like class intersection, or if you want to just talk about, you know, the idea of... I guess just even like like sort of changing and evolving and and being within kind of I mean you did kind of get that same dynamic of like that like father son ideological resistance dynamic that you saw that kind yep. of evolved over the thing and you know we can all relate to that in some form or another sure. whether it comes to you know our parents or or just people that we hold I guess in you know respectable Positions in our minds, whether it's mentors, teachers, you know, coworkers, bosses, things like that, where you yeah. have sort of this ide- ideological, you know, tension or, or difference with them, and yeah, there's a lot that that relates to that. So, I mean, that would that that's one of the few questions that I would have about this book is: was there anything that kind of jumped out to you personally as far as when we talk about class intersection, or we talk about um, just sort of that? that sort of difference of opinions within sort of a, a structure whether it's a family unit whether it's
1: you know in education or work or anything like that um i mean i not not entirely the 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 one thing sort of in like that vein that that i thought about was just my I really dislike being told like that things are going to be a certain way. Yeah. Um and so
0: conforming to whatever preconceived Yeah. Yeah, and so norms. like
1: yeah, I could I could I could get behind, you know, both the professor and and Sharkov um you know, in in that regard. Um But yeah, I I don't I don't really think that 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 spoke to me on the same level. I mean, did 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 you have something I mean I you
0: know growing up I you know I grew up in a in a single parent household me and my sister and my mom and you know my mom was obviously having to work a lot in order to kind of pay for everything and and, and sort of make everything <laughs> everything work yeah and so for the longest time you know we were we were we were pretty pretty poor as far as things go and and so the idea you know it's it's one of those things I've never been, I've never been a person that's like uh, envious or has ever felt that like really distinctive sort of like difference between maybe me and and other people. Uh, I guess like growing up, when you talk about I guess like classes, you know, yeah, you could obviously see people that were more well off or, or parents that were more well off. They kind of had like a different, I don't know, they they sort of had like a different uh, ideological approach to things, and, sure. and I think a lot of that comes from you know, not having so much of that, um, you know, that, that one type of stress, like obviously whether Mm -hmm. you're rich or poor, whatever, you know, like the work that you put in to keep yourself in the position that you're in, like you have the same degree of stress as somebody else. You still need to do the things that you need to do to maintain your lifestyle, to provide for the people that you care about and to make sure everything is good. But at the same time, there's that level of anxiety, like even beyond that, when it comes to, the The scarcity of your ability to do that, whether it's your time or resources or anything like that, and you know that was that was that was apparent to me as a kid. It was yeah. never like something that I was like super envious. it's like oh well, so and so's you know parents they' they're well off, and so he you know, they hang out and they get to do all this stuff all the time and I know that like my mom has to work late and so I'm doing a lot of these things on my own and you know that's less of a that's less of a class thing um and more of just sort of a I mean, I guess it is. I, I yeah, guess it is. Because yeah. when you think about, I mean, when you think about classes, th- this book got me thinking a lot about just sort of class intersectionality beyond just, you know, it's it's within yeah. the time period and it's the proletariat and the bourgeois. But you hear a lot of it, too, now whenever you're thinking, I guess, in a political sphere, like within our own system. And mm-hmm. I'm always, like, very reflective of my lo- own life. And I've never, ever really thought of, like class conflict, but it is an interesting thought because you hear that a lot. You hear sure the term class warfare, you hear all of this like class distinctions and you have kind of isolations amongst your classes of, of people with your, you know, super, super wealthy and elite tend to congregate together away from others. They tend to live in their own kind of like isolated sort of area and the same, you know, kind of delineating so far all the way down. And very rarely do you get those like sort of intersections and, and just the idea of being able to break down those barriers. Like that's that was what struck me as interesting in this book and and kind of allowed me to sort of get out of it to think about, I guess, more within my own life and within
1: just I guess sort of our own existence in politosphere. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I think that nobody has come up with a with an answer to that problem, right? Like, yeah. I mean this this book is is a hundred years old now, um, and or fixing to be close to and, it. Uh, you know, I mean, y- you have you have the same thing if you go read, you know, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, and I mean it's the it's the same uh, the same sort of themes, you know, for hundreds thousands of years, um, and it's a conflict that you know, frankly, I, I don't know that will will ever, you know, be resolved. And you sort of do see the the ebb and flow in, in government. I mean, we we talk about it here um, all the time about, you know, social programs, right? Whether yeah. it's, it's health care or, uh, you know, unemployment benefits and, you know, all, all of that taxes, for God's sake. I mean, sure. you know, what what obligation do, you know, higher grossing individuals have to, you know, contribute, uh, potentially more than, than other people does everybody contribute equally? I mean, there, it doesn't matter what, what country, what, you know, political system, nobody's come up with, you know, a, uh, I would even argue half decent, you know, way of, of sort of breaking those things down. And sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I, I think this is this is a book. I almost went back um, the last couple days and uh, and reread it. Just yeah. having read some some additional things um, online and and got some additional context for like the revolution and just the time period. I, I kind of wanted to go back and see how that influenced the second read, but I just didn't get around to it. But one thing I did think about, and I wondered yeah. if you thought about it, okay, was you know the the whole idea of um like you know genetic modification eugenics yeah. like did that did any anything jump out at you as like uh like did you have a well, response to what he what the professor was so, doing
0: yeah I mean it was weird because you know a lot of it too in that time period I mean even within the the early twentieth century so your your teens all the way up to the thirties I mean eugenics was a big deal especially yeah. like even within America you had like yep. a whole We had talked about this, God, way back when on Plot Against America, when you're talking about, you know, FDR, who was kind of the tail end of the progressives, but he's a good friend with Woodrow Wilson. And then you have Woodrow Wilson, who, like, really, there was an author, uh, Madison Grant, who, Mm -hmm. I forget the name of the book now, but it was, like, all about sort of, like, preserving the, like, intellectual and, like... Uh, genetic superior superiority of the white race over this... Uh, and, you know, Hitler and Woodrow Wilson were, yeah. like, big Madison Grant fans or whatever. So it doesn't surprise me at all, like, this sort of, like, idea. And, and not that it this is necessarily eugenics, but within that same sort of, like, experimental, like, human... Um, whether, you know, the whole premise, supposedly, was to see if this procedure would be able to be done on humans to other humans, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I
1: guess... It,
0: it would be it would be unfair to label like genetic engineering now as eugenics 2.0 cuz i don't think that that's what it is yeah but in the same vein it does kind of skirt that line of like acceptable sort of human remodeling or or anything like that or or i guess looking at human beings as sort of like the human existence is correctable in some ways sure. which is it, it is. It's, it's a weird thing. You know, I had read about this. Uh, God, it might have actually even been within the last week. There was a survey when it comes to sort of like genome therapy or genetic engineering mm-hmm. where it was they were they were sampling people to see sort of their agreement versus disagreement for different types of genetic engineering, whether it was going towards like eliminating specific genetic diseases that could be identified and eliminated out. And right. A lot of people, most, most everyone was in favor of those and eliminating those within, you know, I guess gene therapy or, yeah. or early on. And then on the same vein, the other was, was more of a, you know, cosmetic or, or other sorts of things within less, less like emergency or or medical related and more, I guess, like the idea of creating designer babies, right? Like I want my baby to have certain features and, you know, all these other things. And most people were against that. And it's, I don't know, the whole idea of it together to me, it seems weird to be, I know on the surface it's, you know, it's like, okay, well this is, there's a difference here, obviously, in preventing these genetic diseases versus, you know, I want my baby to have, you know, green eyes and and, yeah. and dark hair and I want them to have a potential to be taller and then all these others. Like, I get there's a difference there, but at the same time, like, the idea, it, it creates such a weird, not slippery slope, but sort of a dangerous precedent when you're okay with manipulating, I guess, genes for one purpose, then I can definitely see sort of those coming a lot closer together in, 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 in how... Nebulous it is as to what's acceptable or not. And then, you know, the potential to create this sort of pay to, pay to, you know, have an advantage type situation with genetic engineering or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I had thought about that mostly because I had read about that recently and then you know, yeah. reading this book and you mentioning it earlier it was like, yeah, there was kind of a
1: little bit of parallel on that. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, so I was thinking about um, in, in the news recently, there has, there's been uh, the story about the, that Chinese doctor who used the it's called CRISPR um, uh-huh. gen- genetic uh, engineering thing to supposedly, Create like genetically modified twins, and yeah. it was the first, I guess, like documented sort of designer baby, if you will. Uh, and that's that's been like a whole like ethics debate, um, even in the news over the last you know month or two. Um, but I actually have um, I, a friend of mine. Uh, he and his wife have had problems um, getting pregnant, and so they're going through you know all these all these different methods and. Uh, I guess there was the, uh, there was a part, I don't, I don't know if they were doing, um, like IVF or something, uh, where they were, they were given options on like, you know, you can, you know, try to eliminate like these certain things or like increase the likelihood of, you know this certain trait like being perpetuated or whatever and uh my my friend was was very much in favor of it and uh I guess I don't know explicitly but you know based on some of the interaction uh that he and I had about it it sounded like that his wife was not so much on board with that and like my mind was boggled because you know in in some ways I, I think I agree that like the you know, if you know you can decrease or eliminate, you know, some sort of diseases, that probably is a very useful thing to do. Sure. Um, on the other hand, you know, I, I don't know that it is it is a responsible thing to say, you know, I, I want my kid to have, you know, brown hair and green eyes. Um, you know, I... There is, there is, if Jurassic Park didn't teach me anything, it's that you don't fuck with nature. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I mean, just the, I mean, yeah, it's a whole other, even, you know, altruism aside, just the whole idea of genetically modifying, you know, human beings. Yeah. Um, it's just, to me, it just seems so morally nebulous. Yeah. In a sense of, and, and not even, and you know, and, and I understand the science behind it and uh, you know, I'm not anti-science by any means. And I think that, you know, eliminating disease probability or, or genetic defects or anything like that is is obviously seemingly a net positive thing. But at the same time, like, it's not like, you know, we've been doing, I mean, we have been doing research in genetic uh, in sort of, I guess... Genetic code and 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 sort of the the effects of, of rewriting or, or or trying to engineer those sorts of things, but God, I would hate to be like the first run of people who, are, or the first run of like human, you know, people that went and had like their children or you know potential children undergo this sort of therapy before they're you know done through IVF. I would be yeah. so nervous of just or so worried about whatever repercussions or consequences because it's just it seems. I don't know. And and again, I'm not as I'm not as in the know on this, and I'm sure that obviously it's not like they're going out and doing these genome trials. They're just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. get back to us in like 10 years if your kid grows an arm out of his head or right, something right. like I don't expect that that's going to be issues, but at the same time, you know, I've even read that it's like, oh, well, we can, you know, by reducing the, you know, greatly reducing the probability of this sort of like genetic disease Well, we also increase the probability of like something else. There's like, there's repercussions to this. It's not necessarily, you know, it's like medicine or anything else. Anything else that, you know, you have that there are side effects, there are consequences to it. And as for me, I would just, I would just never, I don't know. I would just never feel comfortable making that decision to, to say, well, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to tinker with this and tinker with that and tinker with this and tinker with that. We're going to turn some knobs here and there and then boop, out pops, you know. You know, the I press I press B one on the vending machine, and I got you know the Snickers instead of a Kit Kat or something like that. And it's probably a really stupid and grossly simplified way of saying it, but yeah. I, but
1: I think it's I, I think it's even bizarre. Like, so this this uh, this last week, my sister. Got, uh, she's one of the uh, DNA tests. Yeah, have you ever had one the of those done? Twenty three and
0: Me or something. I don't. Uh, no, actually, oh she no, went that's
1: through, genes, like that's ancestry. The... I think.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, no, so, I haven't done any genetic or DNA testing or anything like that.
1: So I, I've done like extensive research, you know, on my on my grandmother's side of the family, um, and uh, I, I, we know some of our like uh, American heritage on on my grandfather's side and. My dad's side because he died when when I was a kid. We don't really know like what was over there. So anyway, my my sister decided to do this this genetic test and kind of kind of see where things were. And uh, so not only like through Ancestry did it tell her like, you know, sort of what are like. You know, I guess. I guess it's a percentage makeup of like whatever regional
0: and or ethnic background. And
1: it's, but it's like it was pretty hyper specific. Like, Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, it was like sixty five percent, like Welsh, uh, and like uh, North what they call it, Northwest Europe, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so like that's really centered on like uh the southern UK, and then um, there was uh I think Norwegian um, was, was the other one that was, that was kind of weird. Um, and, uh, no, yeah. So it was, it was 61%, uh, England, Wales, and Northwestern Europe, uh, 16% Ireland and Scotland, uh, 9% Norway, and then, uh, 8% Sweden, and then everything else was just sort of trace after that. But, uh, nowhere, even though I know that I'm an eighth German, um, and I've traced my, My family from Germany back uh, five generations, and they're all like you know in Germany or 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 Poland. Uh, None of that even popped up. uh, Which well, and all of it's sort of gradient too. Um, But I thought that was that was interesting that that wasn't stronger. But um, so that was kind of weird. And then um, the other the other part that was that was odd was that um, then going through ancestry, she could then link up her DNA results with other like family members who had done the same. Mm -hmm. So like one of, uh, one of our, I guess she's my second cousin once removed. Um, she had done it before and she's been working on some genealogy stuff. She popped on my sister's report as, you know, being a second cousin and 20 other people, uh, as well that she didn't know. And so that's, it's kind of weird that you can like, you know, make those, those sort of connections through, through DNA and it, I don't know. I find the whole thing just really creepy. Yeah. Um I, I actually, I, I I read an article and I wrote a poem the other day um, about this this exact subject. And you know, I think the other part about the genetic engineering is that we don't even fully understand the DNA in and of itself. We don't understand all the markers, um, you know, that that point toward traits, but. I have a I have a little list of things that we have figured out in in DNA. Okay. And I'm going to see if if this uh, this is interesting to Blows you. Blows my mind. Let's go. So, ancestral origins, of course. Yeah. Uh likelihood of some cancer, lung or liver disease. Yeah. Useful. Uh what type of earwax you can produce. Okay. Super useful. Uh the your mosquito attraction frequency like your factor of, of like mosquito bites
0: okay didn't
1: know that was a thing interesting um your predisposition to um, uh, match musical pitches really
0: okay genetic interesting uh if you ha- your
1: chances of being uh, afraid of heights or spiders that doesn't surprise me and whether or not you find cilantro offensive. Okay, those are all real things. I didn't make those up. No, it, it was, it was, I don't was, doubt you. It's just,
0: that's a weird sort of grab bag of of genetic identifiers.
1: Yeah, and but yet we still, you know, haven't done enough research into everything else sure. uh, to see, sure. you know, if, yeah, it's, and, if it's tenable or not. And
0: again, I know that, you know, like genetic research has been, you know, it's a well-respected field and it's been, you know, they've been trucking along for decades now and I have no doubt that, again... Things when it comes to genetic research, obviously we get a we get a net positive um, over something else that would be, I, I guess neg- Like not going about that. I don't know. I'm 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 not sure exactly what point I'm trying to make now. Other than yeah, genetic engineering is an idea. I can understand the the concept and the net positives behind it, but on a personal level, I it's a slippery slope thing for me. Yeah. And that, when you make something acceptable, I can see sort of that gap expanding, expanding, and just the idea of sort of engineering human beings. Uh, that's just creepy to me. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, all right, should we get into, into ratings? Yeah, I've got nothing else. I mean, again, uh, you know, this book, uh, I think we benefited from having read... Uh, a gentleman in Moscow, and I definitely think that on a satire level, I don't just go ahead and jump into my rating on this. Oh, all right, I'm really? going to keep it. You okay. know, I, I showed up today, and I was very, I was very hesitant about you know what I thought about this book because it's not something I'm super eager to go back and reread. Um, it's definitely not a universal recommendation for me. There are a few people I know that I would recommend this to. Um, I mean, it's a short read, so it's yeah. not something that's like grueling to get through. It's 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 relatively rel- well written. It's pretty easy to digest. So overall, I would say you know it has value enough to keep for me. I'm gonna put it on the bottom shelf. Okay. Um, for those reasons, there. I mean, I, I I wasn't too terribly like blown away or floored by it, but I thought it was an interesting enough read. That I'm willing to recommend it to a few people. And uh, yeah. So, uh, bottom shelf for me.
1: All right. You know, I, I think, again, I think this was a really good compliment to A Gentleman in Moscow. I think that book sort of piqued my interest in sort of the the subject of, you know, classes changing, you know. And, oh, absolutely. And, and, and all of that.
0: I think if we came into this book raw, like I feel like we would both have a little bit different opinions on it than maybe having come in already with our mindset in that era for sure and you know it's it's
1: kind of made me realize that in my like sort of literary canon of of things that I've that I've read there is a giant hole um of just sort of Russian literature and and that whole like era um So it's it's been really interesting getting, you know, two back to back books that that deal on, uh, you know, some of the social and and political themes of of the era. So um, I think, you know, this this book, we didn't, you know, talk terribly much about the actual contents of 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 the pages, but, you know, I found it a a quick read. It was enjoyable. It was one thing that, um, you know, that I kept wanting to to go back to and, and read some more. Um, I'm going to put it on my middle shelf. Okay. I think, I think there's a lot here. I will definitely reread this at some point, uh, maybe on a road trip or something. Uh, but I, I think, I think this has value. Um, I don't know who I would necessarily recommend it to other than, you know, maybe somebody who doesn't have the time to read, you know, 500 pages of a gentleman in Moscow and they can still kind of get some of the themes. I don't want to turn anybody away from that book cause it's still just, such a great book. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh but this one th- this one I th- I think you can get a lot of the a lot of the themes if you uh if you read it and then think about it. <laughs> absolutely. And then go watch the go watch the movie.
0: It's on YouTube for free. Yeah,
1: I might actually do that.
0: Yeah, I just searched uh cuz it comes up as A Dog's Heart. I just searched A Dog's Heart 1988 in YouTube and it was like the
1: fourth or fifth thing that was okay. the whole movie. It's like 2 hours and some change, but it was weird. It was weird. Yeah, I've, I saw that they they did some uh, plays and stuff in English, and I think yeah. if it ever popped up, you know, at somewhere nearby uh, as as being covered, uh, I think I'd go I'd go check it out. I think it'd be interesting. Probably a better play than a movie. Maybe you should watch the movie. It's interesting. Okay, Take two hours. All right,
0: you work from home. Just kill kill a couple hours. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I don't know why everybody thinks that the the work in work from home is uh, is just it doesn't count it doesn't count it doesn't count it's so strange to me doesn't count all right let's let's talk next book Next Um, books, your pick episode 23 what do we yes so for the next book we are doing the underground railroad by uh colston whitehead and i've got a couple reasons for for picking this um number one i'm going to uh, a writing conference in march and uh colston is giving the uh Giving the keynote, so I feel like I need to uh, need to read something by him. Years ago, I read uh, a book that he wrote called Zone One. It was kind of this zombie apocalypse, post-apocalypse thing. Yeah, not my favorite thing in the world. Um, so I figured I should probably read something else by this guy. Uh, and this one uh was long listed for the Man Booker in twenty seventeen. Uh, won the National Book Award uh for fiction in twenty sixteen won the Arthur C. Clarke Award, uh and got the 2017 Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence. Impressive. Not as impressive as it is also the 2017 Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction. Okay, yeah, that takes the cake there. Yeah. So the underground so wow, is it like a history of uh of subways and you're and not, how they how they were created. Right. That's what it's about. Right. Yeah. Sort of not. So we're, we're on the verge of, of Black History Month as well. Yeah. So the, the book is about uh, two slaves that are that are in Georgia and they're they're trying to escape slavery. Sure. The the kink is that instead of being the Underground Railroad as we actually know it with you know, groups of people organizing to move people and, and hide them. It is actually like a rail system that, that interesting, is built. yeah. So it's kind of an alternative history uh, kind of take on it. So I'm excited uh, to to read this. Um, I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And if not, then we can we can shit on the Pulitzer. And talk about yeah. how ridiculous it is. It'll
0: be interesting because I've been thinking about, you know, ever since the probably like September of last year, I've been thinking about trying to get a, a Toni Morrison book in here. And she yeah. writes a lot about the, that period as well. So maybe, maybe a follow up after this. We may, uh, we may just do back to back double dip episodes of those periods. So
1: I wouldn't hate it. Morrison is definitely on on my list of, uh, of people that I haven't read and I feel guilty about not having read. Yeah. Uh, so again, next episode. Is the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Follow us on Twitter at Better Bookshelf. Uh, I'm going to try to keep our our books pinned uh, on our tweets, and I announce them as soon as we as soon as we decide. So you'll hear them a little bit quicker on there than you will on the podcast. That being said, thank you for listening to this week's episode, and until next time.